Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Okay, so Philippians chapter 2 is where we're at, and we're actually going to be, if you want to kind of skip down to verse, I believe, 16 or 17, uh, 16 is where we'll be starting. I'm going to just do a quick review again here over the book of Philippians, just so that we keep this in our mind. Um, Remember this, strong believers have a line upon line, precept upon precept understanding of the scripture built into their life. You know, a lot of times, especially in our circles, talking about what you might call word of faith or Pentecostal charismatic, whatever you want to label it, I don't care. We believe that God's still doing everything he was in the book of Acts, okay? Let's just kind of round it up that way. (laughs) Um, People have this idea that um, the strongest believers prophesy. But I could prove to you scripturally that the most carnal Christians can prophesy. In fact, the most spiritually, uh, probably the, the church with the least amount of moral discipline and character had a huge amount of the gifts of the Spirit in operation. The Corinthians. I mean, they were a fun bunch. They would pray in tongues so loud you couldn't even hear the person, you know, singing out loud next to you. And get drunk at communion and prophesy over you next week. (laughs) I mean, they, they were a mess. Which is understandable, actually. Because if you understand the background that they came out of, they worshiped uh, some pretty, you know... Uh, if I went into the detail of what they worshipped, so how many have studied some of the old gods, goddesses and stuff that they worship? I'll just put it to you like this. Nothing that's going on today would shock any of you. Because there was transgenders then, there was homosexuality then, there was, you know, it, nothing's, nothing new under the sun. Same stuff. Different year, technology's a little bit better. That's about it. Same stuff. People's hearts still the same. Full of sin and need Jesus. Amen? And so, well, whenever you have a group of people, and they genuinely believe in Jesus, sometimes it takes a little while to get the fleshy stuff out of you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, just, you just need to keep growing. And so strong believers, even though teaching isn't always the favorite of some, I've learned to appreciate it more and more over the years, um, you'll realize that truth has this effect in you. It has, a, it has a grounding, stabilizing effect. It has a firming up, a shoring up effect in your life to where you can go year after year after year and you can go through difficult, difficult things and not lose your mind. Come on, how many have proven that? I know many of you in here, and I know you've gone through difficult things and not lost your mind. And even in the middle of it, there are times you feel like, I'm going to come unhinged. You know, my emotions are going to, you know, fly into a million pieces, and I won't be able to gather them back in. But, you know, Paul felt that. He said he was pressed beyond measure to the point of what? Death. He said, I have the sentence of death in my in myself. Then he said this, so that we wouldn't put our trust in ourselves, but in God. 
People say, well, I feel like I have the sentence of death in me. Good, put your trust in God. Amen? Everybody has felt that at one time or another. Everybody has had the sucker punch of life come to them. Amen. How many know the devil is the author of the sucker punch of life? I just made that up. I don't even know <laughs> where. <laughs> That's not a scripture. Somebody patent that for me. All right, so <laughs> the point is those that have truth built in are stable. It's not that you don't feel the wind. It's not that you don't know the waves are crashing. It's not that you don't know that, you, you know, you may have lost a shingle or something off your house, but you're aware of the fact that your, your foundation and your main pillars for your house are strong, and you're going to make it through. Guys, I'll put it to you like this, because sometimes I think we over-spectacularize, uh, I think that's a word, but we, we, we over-spectacularize what faith is. Faith is a knowing you're going to get through. I am not going under. I'm going all the way through. Well, this feels like hell. Yep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And you can say that while you feel fear all over you. And that's a faith declaration because it certainly isn't a feeling declaration. Right? You can do it because why? You say, how do you know? Because you're born again. You have the very nature of the one who defeated hell on the inside of you. And if you'll yield to the process of the planting, cultivating, keeping the garden clean, watering of the proper seed, it will grow, it will produce fruit, and year after year after year after year. Listen, by the time I'm old, wrinkly, more wrinkly than I am, more gray than I am, sagging skin, by the time... I'm to that point, I will have more word and stability and anointing in this physical being tent than I do right now. Why? Because I'm not going to quit feeding on this. And I'm not going to quit fellowshipping and praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to quit any of that. I'm going to keep going, keep moving forward, keep doing. And so are you. Amen. Until one day Jesus says, let's go home. And you go Lead me on, Lord. Sunday, I talked about the fact that I have a prophecy over my life that was given to me uh, about how I'm going to die. Wouldn't you love that? Have that prophecy for you? But the, the, I've read it before, but the point is this. In this, and it's actually, it's, it's a psalm that was given to me. And... Um, it's powerful the way it's written. The person that did it is so gifted. But anyway, that's another story. But anyway, and I have it, and in part of it, and I read over it sometimes, it talks about the fact that I'm like the hull of a ship, me personally. I'm full of seed. This seed. And that I'm a sent ship, and I deliver seed. Because that's what I do. And then it talks about years down the road, this person saw me. And it said, he used the word visage, which is this. It was weathered and worn. Which is why I'll tell you right now, I will not dye my hair. 
and I will not get my face pulled. Now, you can do whatever you want, but I'm going to wear all the wrinkles and the sags as a badge of honor. Yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> People look at me and go, what's wrong with you? Um, I, my visage is weathered. <laughs> but on the inside, I am renewed day by day. So, in this, it says that he saw a figure walk across the water to the ship where I was. And I was the captain of the ship. And you know who it was. It was Jesus. And it says he took my hand and we walked off. And that's what I'm going to do. You say how? I don't know. But I'm going to do it. By faith, I'm going to do it. If Paul can do it, if Peter can do it, if Jesus can do it, I can do it. So can you. Because we've not been given a spirit of fear. But a power, love, and a sound mind. Doesn't matter how many executive orders he signs. <laughs> My God shall supply. <laughs> I got my dig in. All right. So in chapter 1, Paul's admonition to the Philippians concerned how to respond to their enemies. In this chapter, the issue will be how to respond to, um, in this chapter, the issue will be how to respond to the church, those within the church. The issue at hand is how do we respond to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In chapter 1, we saw that we will never experience unity with the world. How many realize that? Okay. Our object is not to live in harmony with those who reject God. It is not. You know, there's a good portion of the church today that says, if you're not just really chummy with the world, because, and they take a scripture and talk about how Jesus, sinners love Jesus. But sinners didn't love Jesus because he, he agreed with them. So we got to be careful about that. Because this is how uh, false doctrine gets into the church. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean you got to be mean. But we're not going to be, you know, you cannot, you cannot become a friend with somebody in the world and look at them in the eyes and say, yeah, you're probably all right with God, and they're going to reject Christ. No, that's not going to happen. But rather, we're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to be in harmony with those who reject God, but rather to win them over to the Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, we are to live in harmony and peace with those in the body of Christ. The same Holy Spirit who gives us power to witness to the world also enables us to live in unity with each other. Unity is difficult for the world to attain. How many have noticed? Through legislation and sometimes intimidation, governments try to get people of different races, cultures, and backgrounds to live in harmony with each other with varying success. The church is also filled with people from different races, culture, and backgrounds. We are to be an example to the world of the power of the new birth, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. What the world cannot do, the supernatural power of God can. A sad thing happens when the church starts to live like the world. Paul heard from prison that factions were developing in the Philippian church. How many know this has not changed? It's still the operation of the enemy. He wrote to them, reminding them of the Holy Spirit who lives in them and the fruit which he produces. 
So tonight we are continuing in Philippians 2. Last week we left off by looking at verses 14 and 15. We saw that in verse 14, we can, by the power of the Lord, do all things without complaining and disputing. Now, some of us, that would be a feat if we did that through the day. Probably everybody in here. In other words, we could get better at that. Amen? And it's not a condemnation issue. It's more of an issue of we desire out of love for our Savior to respond to what He's placed within us and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Amen? So we saw that we can. We can, we can. It, it's a promise in the world that we can do all things without complaining and disputing. We saw that love believes the best, um, and we saw that love believes a person will do the right thing, and even if they don't, it believes they can change by the power of God no matter how bad it has gotten. Amen. You know, sometimes when it comes to love, and you need to realize this, people say, well, I love that person, so I just let them do whatever they want all the time. The Lord does not, the Lord does not, and the Lord is this way, He doesn't do you know he, he, that with him, we earn trust with him on certain things? We don't earn our salvation, okay, because I can't earn that, right? There's no way I could do enough good. I, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. So Jesus had to come in perfect person form to get me to heaven, right? And to, and to make me a child of God. But we earn position with the Lord. How many know the Lord doesn't share all his secrets with everybody? It's true. He doesn't. People like to think, well, no, I'm one with the Lord. Well, you are, yes. In truth, yes. But the level or the degree that I experience oneness with the Lord depends on my level of developing and growing and maturing, which is not all up to me in power, but it is up to me in choice. So I'm going to say that again. It's not all up to me in power. In other words, God has graced me to live in full obedience to Him by the power of Christ and what he did. But I have a free will, right? So I have to choose to say what he would say, to yield to the Spirit of God within me and fellowship and obey him, amen? In everything that I do. So I have to choose. It's up to me. And it's up to you in your life. And God helps us. He works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. But how many, know, how many have ever been hard-headed uh, on things and not obeyed? Okay, so what does the Lord do? He's very gracious and patient, and he'll go, okay, let's walk around the hill one more time. Amen. Okay, so he'll do that, and he keeps growing us and developing us. Praise God for that. In other words, I'll put it to you like this, and it's something I've said over and over, but it just is so true. Mark Hankin said it. He said, the Lord told him, there are some places you will get by trusting me. He was, the Lord was telling this to Mark. And he said, and then there are some places you'll get because I trust you. Why should God put you into a position or a relationship with somebody that has a high level of influence or power or anything like that if you cannot be trusted in your character? Why? Amen? That's, now, I'm talking about believers here. I'm not talking about just everybody, okay? I'm talking about believers. He needs depth of character, right? So years ago, there was a, uh, a minister who used to travel with Smith Wigglesworth, and he actually ended up being a teacher 
uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, where I went to Bible college was Rama, but he had a different Bible college, a small one called, I guess it was called Trinity Bible College at the time. And some of the teachers that I experienced at Rama were, was taught by this gentleman. But he was over, I, I don't know if he was in America or if he was overseas in Great Britain, I don't remember where he was. But he was taken on a warship in one of these uh, meetings that he was doing in this city by a gentleman who had access to one of these huge warships. And he went out on the warship, and it was a, uh, they had these huge cannons, you know, on the side of the warship, similar to what we have today, the modern look, modern look that we have today. It wasn't real old. They were the modern-looking uh, warships. And uh, these, the, the size of the guns on this thing were just huge. I mean, you know, they could, they could shoot a long ways, and they could take out a lot when they hit. Um, and these guns were so big and just massive amounts of steel, and uh, there was a hole uh, next to it in the deck of the ship. And uh, he, the, the, this minister looked down in that hole, and he saw that there was layer after layer after layer after layer after layer of steel underneath that gun. And he said, look at all this steel underneath. He said, yeah, these, uh, these uh, what do you got going on? Oh, I got water here already. Thanks, though. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Double fisting. Um, uh, layer and layer and layer underneath of this ship. And these guns were so powerful that when they shoot, if they didn't have that, they'll actually just rip themselves clean off the deck. In fact, they said when they're moving forward, as they're, as they're sailing forward, if, if, if while they're moving forward, they got the engines full born, they're moving forward with the ship, if they turn the guns and while they're moving, if they shoot those cannons, it actually slowed them down three knots that they had to gain back. Um, they had to counterbalance the ship to the point where and they had, to, they had to put something in there to keep the ship balanced. If they were stationary and they shot to the east or to the west, to the side, that when they shot, they had to counterbalance the ship. Otherwise, it would actually tip the ship over when they fire. Here's the thing. You can be powerfully gifted. But if your character and the word is not in you strong, you're going to knock yourself clean off the ship. You see that? You've got to be anchored in that word. Because character is what holds you. Gifting doesn't. Gifting. A donkey can be anointed. A donkey rebuked a prophet. How many know that's not a good day for the prophet? I hear from the Lord. So does your donkey. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're into the introduction. Okay, so we saw then that proper growth and fulfillment of the promises or prophecies over our lives will occur as we apply truths, these truths. The contrary is true as well. They will not occur if we don't apply these truths. This was precisely the kind of behavior that caused the Israelites to be judged through their desert wanderings. In other words, they just got into complaining and didn't quit. The analogy here is of the sun and the moon. And we saw this in verse 15. It actually says in verse 15, actually I should get over there, I didn't turn there. 
You're probably there already, I'm sure. But Philippians 2.15, we saw it says this. It says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you what shine as lights in the world. So part of this is our witness. Part of, a good part of this is our witness. So what we saw here was the analogy here is the sun and the moon which shine forth their lights in the darkness of outer space. This is how we are in the devil's darkened world. The more maturity we walk in, the more light we give forth, the world system is filled with corruption because it is, back, it is backed by Satan. How many have noticed that? The God of this world, 1 John 4, 4. This will not be completely changed until the second advent of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, we are ambassadors in Jesus' place. We know this from 2 Corinthians 5, 20. He was the original light of God the Father. And now, as mature believers, we have been called to shine in his place until his return. So that's what we saw last week. So let's move on to verse 16, and we'll begin there. Paul says this, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice or boast or glory in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now watch this. In the Amplified, it says, holding out to it and offering to all men the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may have something of which exultantly to rejoice and glory in that I did not run my race in vain or spend my labor to no purpose. So what is this phrase holding fast me? So we're not to complain, we saw in verse 14. In verse 15, we're to uh, be lights, we're to walk as lights in this, in this life. And we see in verse 16 now that we're to hold fast the word, as it says, hold fast the what? The word of life. So hold fast you might think this phrase means to grasp the scriptures for yourself, but it actually carries the idea of holding forth the word of life. This truth could be explained this way. Two people walking in the dark, one with a light and the other without a light. The one extends his light to the other person to help guide him as he walks. The light is the word of life or the gospel. The goal in this act is that the person with no light will receive Christ and have their own light for their journey and to share with others in the darkness. So there is a truth here in holding fast in that you're to hold fast for it for yourself, but actually the way this is worded in the Greek, it actually means you're to hold out a light. So what did we just read? That you're to shine forth as lights in the what? Darkness. Okay? So you're actually called to hold out the word of life. You're to hold it up and hold it out. Amen? And that's not, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can do that. You know, uh, Johnny has these Jesus pins. And I see them all around. People wear them. I wear mine. I have one on my coat, and I wear it everywhere. It's almost like walking around town with a backward collar on. You say, what do you mean by that? Like if I was a Catholic or a priest? Have you ever noticed that? You could walk into a place. If, if a priest walks into a place with that, that uh, uh, I guess you call it a uniform. I don't know what you call it. But with that, that garb on, everybody, all, you know who all the Catholics are instantly. Ooh, you know? And then the other ones are, yeah, yeah so everybody's just, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. 
In other words, I wear that Jesus pin. I watch people respond to it. They, they look, oh, well, he must not be afraid to wear that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was in Home Depot shortly after I got it from Johnny. And, uh, and then I have another one. Mirica actually made me. And I, were, I have that one too. But and, uh, the lady, at, I was, somebody was helping me at the uh, desk there. And she said, oh, I like your pin. I said, thanks. She said, man, I could use more of him in my life. And that was just a pin. I didn't even say anything. And it just opens doors. But that's, what's that doing? There's light here. It's right here. How many know light is hard to ignore in a dark room? I mean, (laughs) but you need to think of yourself that way. When you walk in, what are you holding out? Are you holding out 37 executive orders? It's probably more than that now. I don't know how many it is. (laughs) You know, whatever it is. Whatever it is, what are you holding out? Are you holding out all the pressures of the day? Are you holding out your fears, your worries? Are you, are, do you go to that place looking for somebody to help you, or do you go to look to help? I'm not talking about just at the store, you know, general help. I'm talking about you're going in with an attitude of, an attitude of I'm a disciple and I hold out the light. Well, it's a difficult time, uh-huh. but it's not any more difficult than, it's definitely not more difficult than what the early church went through, not even close. Well, it could, it could get that way. Well, let's not live like it's that way until it actually gets that way, because you ever notice that about your flesh and mind too, same thing? It's like, well, we have a right. Why? Because it could get that way. No, I don't have a right to yield to my flesh. I want to hold out the light. I want to be a light. Even if that, if that means just starting for you smiling instead of, you know, looking like you were baptized in lemon juice. Start there, amen? Paul desires for himself and for the church at Philippi that they walk in this manner of sanctification so that we do not stand at the judgment seat of Christ with no reward for our works or from the works of others we ministered to. When we hold forth the word of life by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ from the motivation of the heart, we are working out our salvation. The working out of this salvation is recorded in heaven and we receive a reward on the day of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. How many are familiar with the judgment seat of Christ? Okay, this is recorded and if you need scriptures to reference this, you can go to Romans 14, 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, and 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And they all talk about the day of Christ. Specifically in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it'll refer to it as the day. It won't refer to it as the day of Christ. It'll refer to it as the day. But you'll see in context that that's what it's referring to. Now, this is not the judgment seat of whether you make it to heaven or not. That's been accomplished by Jesus Christ. This is the reward seat based on the works of sanctification that we show forth here in the earth. 
And people sometimes get all hung up about this, and they get all uh, uneasy about it. And I don't even know why, because it's clear in the Scripture. People say, well, I don't want that kind of pressure. It's not pressure if you understand who's in you. (laughs) I know. Well, here's the thing. Religiously speaking, it could be pressure. But when you understand relationship and resurrection speaking, it's no pressure. Okay? So that's the difference there. And I don't have time to explain that, but just hold that thought in your mind because you'll see it as you read through the scriptures on your own. So Paul's statement, I may rejoice. So he says here, I may rejoice um, that I haven't run in vain or labored in vain. Says to me that we are going to rejoice with our brothers and sisters as they receive their rewards. So can you imagine us all getting into heaven? And it's, oh, let's just say, uh, you know, I'm there and you show up. Maybe you got there before me. Maybe you come after. I don't know. Maybe we go at the same time. Maybe you're on my ship. Jesus shows up. All right, so. (laughs) And we're at the judgment seat of Christ, and I'm receiving my rewards, and I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And you're next to me, like, I knew him on earth. Yes, he's good. And then it's your turn, and I'm like, oh, I pastored them, and they, yes. In other words, we get all said and done, and we don't go, you don't look at me and go, you didn't labor in vain. And I don't look at you, and I say, you didn't labor in vain either. And we accomplished what God had for us because we maintained unity in the body through love and serving one another. Amen. How many know it's really easy the more lawlessness there is to let your love grow cold? Don't let it grow cold. Keep it fervent. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Pray in other tongues in your own time. And and keep yourself stirred up like the scripture says in Jude. Amen? All right. So this phrase, vain running and vain labor, labor, vain means empty. Vessels which contain nothing. How many would like to avoid that? Metaphorically of labors, endeavors, or acts which result in nothing. In other words, they're fruitless. Paul said, I don't want to get to the end of this deal and have worked as much as I have in, in, in risking my life. Because how many know in, when the Philippian church was, was uh, established, Paul ended up being put in prison there too. Okay? And, and beat up, I think, too as well. But anyway, how many know in this process, he didn't want all this sacrifice we we. He said, I I put my body in danger for you. I don't want this to end up with you having no fruit in your life. I mean, no, that's disappointing as a leader. Amen? I know sometimes we think just on one side of things, but love thinks the whole thing around. It focuses on the whole thing around. Um, Love pays attention to all angles of what's going on. So these two things occur when we work to earn our salvation. One is legalism. How many know that doesn't work? Or we perform good from the motivation of flesh. In other words, that could be vain labor too. I'm earning, I'm going to, Jesus is really going to love me now because I opened the door for Mark's wife. (laughs) I got the open the door badge in heaven. (laughs) You know, or I mowed the neighbor's lawn. But you're doing it from the motivation of, I've got to get God to love me instead of the motivation of I've received God's love. Now I'm going to share that love with somebody else. There's a difference there in motivation. And that's what Paul is talking about. Don't get into legalism on one side. 
So we know that there are no rewards for the deeds of the flesh. And that's a reality. And so we got to be aware of that. Concerning Paul and every believer, Paul saw as we should the fulfillment of our call to God in two metaphors. He was an athlete, one who ran with a single purpose and a determination to finish well. How many are, know what, does that sound familiar? Okay. Paul uses these things, these illustrations repeatedly through his epistles. Okay. And then the second, he was a laborer, one who worked to the point of exhaustion and who was always cognizant that the work had to continue so that his efforts would not be in vain. This is just a reality about who Paul was. Whether he overdid it or not, I don't know, but I know this, he wasn't married, so he didn't have that or kids holding him down or having those, I shouldn't say holding them down, having those responsibilities, all right? He might have said holding them down, you know what I mean? But that was his personal opinion, okay? That was not gospel. How many of you know the scripture says that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing? Paul apparently did not want to quote that scripture, I don't know, at that point, But for whatever reason, he was so zealous for the Lord in what he wanted to do and accomplish in his relationship with the Lord that he didn't want anything to stop him from doing that. So he was constantly moving, cutting ahead and moving the gospel forward in everything that he did. Can you imagine winning the person that's uh, charged to guard you and you're, you're handcuffed to them to the Lord and then getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit? So Paul was not sitting there going, how do I get free from this soldier? He was sitting there going, Lord, how do I get this soldier free? <laughs> I know, it's quite, the, it's quite the mind shift, isn't it? But that's the gospel. That's the gospel, amen? Verse 17, let's go there. As we move into verse 17 through 30, what we're going to see is is that uh, these are going to be examples of humility. And Paul is going to use himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus in these examples. Verse 17 says, yes. Paul says, yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. In the Amplified uh, translation, it says this. Even if my lifeblood must be poured out as a libation on the sacrificial offering of your faith to God, still I am glad to do it and congratulate you all on your share in it. So I rejoice with you over me being poured out so that your faith can increase. Whoo, I read this stuff in my office and I'm like, Lord, do I even do that? How many read stuff in the Bible and it's like, well... Here we go again. You scoot the office chair out. Get on your knees. (laughs) Lord, I need help. (laughs) Right? Help me, Lord. I want to live. I want to grow to the measure of the stature of Christ. And I look at this and I go, oh my goodness. He's not playing around. Paul finds joy in sacrifice and service of the faith of others. We'll probably not get past this point, but at least we got two verses in. He rejoices in his suffering. Listen to this. He rejoices in his suffering for the sake of Christ 
because he sees that it is benefiting and advancing the Philippians in their spiritual development. A lot of people don't laugh and roll out on the floor on these things. Can you, now, I want you to conceive this in your mind. This is not the example of a super spiritual man in the sense of like God especially anointed him to do this. This is the example of a man who understood who was in him. He made statements like, it's no longer I who live, but He rejoiced. Paul had such revelation of the reality of Christ within. He found Holy Spirit joy in his loss and your gain. Some of these truths I go, like I shake inside. Because I'm going, Lord. How far do we have yet to go? Because in the American church, well, and I haven't been around the world much yet, but in the church, for me, I speak for me, and the few things that I've seen through the few years that I've been in the church, most of the church in general, I'm going to use general in that I've been around, are more concerned about their comforts than about the spiritual development of their brother and sister. Paul understood the price that was to be paid. See, and I said this on Sunday, there are some things that Jesus did as my substitute There are many things that Jesus did as my example to follow. Not just the example, but also he empowered me to do it. Boy, that's sobering, isn't it? And we're not even through the verse yet. I do not believe this is a reference to Paul dying because of what he said in Philippians 1.25. So I don't believe Paul's saying here, I'm going to die. I believe what he's saying is, I'm pouring these things out in my own life so that you can succeed in your faith. Come on, you remember Philippians chapter 1. He said, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in a straight betwixt. I want to go to heaven, but I can see it's more what? Needful for you that I Stay. Come on, how many times in church things or in serving Christ and the body of Christ, does does somebody say, boy, man, I really want to do this, but oh yeah, you're right, Lord, they need help. But I had all this plan for me to do, but oh yeah, Lord, you're right. Your body, they, what do you want to do, Lord? Yeah, yeah. And you give up you for what? Someone else. So I can see we're going to have to really spend some time praying about these things. Not on whether we're going to do them or not. But to get ourselves ready to do them.
Amen. Because it, it, we're not going backwards. I'm not going backwards. You know, I, it's better to just keep crucifying the flesh. And I, I've never found it easy. Am I the only one? Um, is your flesh like mine? <laughs> you can say yes, but I'm going to give an example. <laughs> if you, it, and it, all our flesh is the same. Now, we may, we may be, we, our flesh may be uh, tempted greater in an area. You know, mine may be that yours isn't. Okay, I understand that. But in general, it's the same in the sense of what? It wants to do what? Yeah. And it will, like my natural mind, not my spiritual mind, my natural mind will build reasons on why I have the right to do what I want to do. Which is really dangerous for me because I am good at talking. I could have revival or riot at any second. No matter where I, I've done it for years. I did it without even knowing I was doing it. Because it's just in me. It's a gift in me. You know what I mean by that? It's not like I built the gift. God put it there. And for years the devil had control of it. More control than he did today or does now. Even when I was saved and going to Bible college, I literally started a fight at the work where I was working between one of the servers and the cook. When I was in Bible college, training for the ministry, practicing my gift, <laughs> and I walked off and nobody even knew I did it. And they were about to throw hooks. It was stupid. But I'd run my mouth with a quick wit. What is that? That's not me being poured out as a drink offering. <laughs> More like being poured out as 100 proof on a fight. And I exploded the thing. I just put a match, you know. I can see what's happening here. <laughs> All right, so I'm forgiven for that, so that's good. The more I study Paul's letters, it seems that Paul thought of martyrdom as not only a daily thing, but a final event as seen in 2 Timothy 4.6. I'm coming to the convinced place. I'm not there totally yet, but I'm getting close. That Paul knew how to die at the finality of his race because he died continually all the way up to it. In other words, I know how to let go of what I'm supposed to let go of so that when it's time to cross, it's not so hard. Amen? That's a powerful truth. And I look at that and I go, oh, I better, I, and I, this is where I go back to praying about these things. So we see here, what is a drink offering? Paul refers to his own experience in prison as a drink offering. This is in Numbers 15, 1 through 13. And you can go back and look at it. This is where the drink offering is mentioned. 
But what would happen in the Old Testament was there were certain sacrifice offerings that had to be brought. And then as an addition to the sacrifice offering, there would be brought an, a wine offering, a drink offering that would be poured on the burnt offering. It was an addition to the sacrifice, okay? And so when I was looking at this, this is what I saw. The Philippians' own struggle as a church to work out their salvation is what Paul means by the sacrifice. And the service coming from your faith. If, as Paul puts it, their obedience is like a sacrifice offering to God. His current struggles in prison are like a libation or drink offering that accompanies the sacrifice. The appropriate response to both of these situations is to rejoice. So watch this. Basically, Paul's saying, let's rejoice together in the midst of all of this because we are both getting great opportunities to exercise and develop our faith. There is a clear separation here in personal responsibility. We present ourselves a living sacrifice, right? To the Lord, right? Do we do that? Okay? And in assisting others in their sacrifice, we can pour out or add our resources to their personal sacrifice. So in other words, every part of the body is connected, right? And each one has a what? Supply. So in the Old Testament, they would bring their burnt offering, they'd bring their heifer, they'd bring their lamb, whatever it is, this sacrifice to the altar, and that represents you and me. We have to present ourselves a living sacrifice. So if Dale presents himself a living sacrifice to the Lord, in the midst of that, I can be a drink offering to his burnt offering by what? Praying for him. By what? Ministering to him out of what God's given me to, to help him in the advancement of the kingdom of God in his personal life. And then out of that example, then Dale can take that information and he can move on to Rick and Rick can be presenting a sacrifice to God and then Dale can come along and go, I'm going to add to that sacrifice and rejoice with you in the development of your faith. Come on. Do you see this? So your service is not void. It's not in vain. It's not laboring in vain. We are helping each other grow and develop. And each one, this is, this is, this is multi-level marketing and reward on a level that the world wishes they understood. Come on, how many have ever been involved or know about multi-level marketing? And if I'm in your you know, down chain or however it works. And I sell a bunch of stuff. You get a reward. And that's how it is with the Lord as well. Between us. We're supplying. We're bringing. We're bringing something. What do I bring? Well, it doesn't seem like very much. Well, it may not be the burnt offering. But it may be a drink offering. And how many know all of them are seen by God and recorded? Well, I can't, you know, the devil will do this. He'll play tricks on you. Well, you don't do what Mark does. What are you called to do? And what do you have to pour out on what Mark does?
You see that? We help each other. We grow each other. Now this takes faith. Because we can do it, and I know people are thinking right now, but we need to settle that truth in us through prayer and meditation to the point where we go, I'm going to help. And glory to God, they're going to succeed, and in their success, I succeed. Talk about shining as a light in a dark world. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.